Well, we are continuing in our series called The Book of James as we look through the book of James. Really creative title for this series. But uh, we are excited about it. I love it. I love the book of James. It really takes all the pressure because there's no, you don't need to be super smart to read it. That's why I love it because it just, it really spells it all out really clear, clearly, really plainly. And we're going to get into that in just a moment, but also love to just welcome those who are watching online. Again, those who are checking us out, maybe you're away for the weekend uh, and you're just staying in, connected to church. We're just happy that you are with us. Or maybe you're, you're checking us out for the first time. Maybe you heard about the harbor and uh, we are committed to saving a space for you or making room for you. And so we are just so grateful for you. We pray that you would know the peace and the presence of God where you are watching. And uh, if you're new within the room, if you're maybe this is your first time with us or you've been maybe away for a long time and you're coming back, we just want to welcome you. Can we put our hands together, church? Can we just welcome those who are here? Come on. What a privilege it is. I was reminded again this morning what a privilege it is to be able to gather together. What a privilege it is to be able to come together without fear and just lift up the, word, the name of the Lord and open the word of God. What a joy it is. Is. Just before we jump into our series of message today, I want to remind you, I want to highlight our church life survey. Thank you for those who've been participating in it. You've already committed. You've already filled out the form. But our goal over the next month, or the month of June, is that, um, is that everyone in our church, 12 years old and older, would complete this form, that each one would complete one. And this is an opportunity for us to sort of get an anonymous, someone say anonymous, anonymous, anonymous anonymous information about how we can better serve you and your family as we prepare for the future. Again, as our church continues to grow, we want to be good stewards of what God is bringing together. And we want to learn how to hear from you and what questions you're asking and where the felt needs are. We have a plan, we have a pathway, but we also want to serve you well. And so if you can take Next couple days, we have another two more weeks left. It literally takes three minutes to complete. This is not a, a long, intensive survey. There's about 15 questions, and usually they're all multiple choice, and so you can answer that. There's a QR code. In the seat found, and I think these are all found in the seat in front of you. And so you can grab that. If you have not filled that out, you can grab that, and you can fill that out. We really appreciate that. I heard another dad joke about calendars. You want to hear it? Yes. I'm worried about the calendar. Its days are numbered. But I'm bond. So bad, eh? Why are dad jokes so bad? They're so horrible. But yeah, it's so funny because we always laugh. We love them. Anyway, we are in it. Thank you so much for serving and being part of that. We're going to jump into the book of James again. If you've been joining us, we are navigating through this book, which is in the kind of in the end part of the New Testament, or the end part of even the whole Bible, uh, near the end of it. But it was actually the first letter written. It's the first recorded letter. It was written by a guy named James just in case you didn't know that. But this is not James, the disciple of Jesus, like James and John, the sons of thunder. This is not that James. This is James, the half-brother of Jesus, who really didn't come into the followership of Jesus until a little bit later. He wasn't a part of the original 12. He wasn't a part of the original following. And I, as you can imagine, I wonder, it probably took him a little bit convincing, a little bit of a revelation to realize that his older brother is actually the Messiah, the one that they've been all been waiting for. I'm sure there was a process of discovery of where he had to sort of let his personal perspective waste away and actually see his older brother for who he actually was. But James, we read as we study history, became a, a prominent leader in the early church when some say he was even the first kind of spiritual leader, the first pope of the Jewish church. And so he was a man of great wisdom. He was a man of, of, humble, of humble statute. A lot of people equate the book of James as sort of like the New Testament 
Proverbs. It's sort of like this book of wisdom and understanding. And if you're looking for wisdom, you can go to the book of James and you will glean from it. We understand that James was, this time was about 10 to, uh, 8 to 10 years after the church, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And the followers of Jesus, they weren't called Christians yet. They were just called the followers of the way. The ones who would follow Jesus in his words, his ways, and his works were becoming persecuted. And they were under great trial and great tribulation and temptation. And so they were being scattered among the nations, among Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And so they weren't able to gather the way they used to gather. They weren't able to meet like we do on a weekly or regular basis. They weren't able to publicly proclaim Jesus for the fear of their life. Some of them were being, are being imprisoned. Some were even being killed. And so they were fearful for their life. And so they scattered. And James is now writing this letter to a scattered church. A scattered church physically, a scattered church emotionally, a scattered church even uh, theologically as they're just trying to even still understand. They don't have who you and I have. They only have the words, the audible words and teachings of Jesus, the, 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 the personal experiences that those who followed and walked with Jesus are, are sharing. They have the, the Old Testament, but they're trying to make it and understand how the Old Testament reflects Jesus, and they're trying to make sense of it all, and there's some misunderstanding or maybe even some misinterpretations that James is trying to kind of clean up and refine in the process. And so we can't get into it all because we're in chapter four of a five chapter book. So we can't get into it all. But last week, Pastor Spencer talked about this idea of words and blessings and curses and how we understood that the words of our mouth bring life and death. There's power of life and death in the tongue. And so we have to learn how to be quiet, quick to listen, slow to speak, you know, don't operate the way the world does, but allow God to change our heart. You know, what we realize is what we consume, we conforms you. What you consume, what you consume conforms you. And so what are you allowing to consume your heart? Because well, the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if you want to listen to any of those messages, they're all on our website. We continue to do our Sunday Encore on Mondays where we talk about it a little bit more. It's always been great. But we're going to jump into verse Chapter 4, rather, starting in verse 1. I invite you to stand to your feet as we just read God's Word. It's going to be on the screen. And uh, we're going to read God's Word and apply it to our hearts. Can we do that together? It says, verse, starting in verse 1 of chapter 4, it says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the, your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. So you kill and you covet. You cannot have what you want. You quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend on what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be friends with the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think that Scripture says without reason that the Spirit He caused to live in us envies intensely? But He gives grace, but He gives more grace. That's why scripture says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, wail, change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord, so that he will lift you up. Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and, it ju and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping with it, but sitting in judgment on you. 
There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy, but you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Let's pray. Father, once again, we ask that you would humbly open up our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive what your Spirit wants to speak to us today. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. You go ahead and have a seat. Once again, James doesn't pull any punches. If you've been tracking with us over the last couple of weeks, you realize that James just goes right to the throat. He just punches right to the juggler. He doesn't want to leave any misunderstanding. He doesn't want to leave any sign of uh, confusion. He just wants to tell you straight out what is going on. And he talks about these, he addresses these two large topics called pride and humility. He talks about how they are opposite to one another. And, what, and so we need to kind of understand what these two topics are in relation to our discussion. What we do about pride? Well, pride is an inflated self-image that elevates oneself above others, right? It's an inflated self-image, this sense of, you know, I am better than you. Now, nobody would say that because that sounds prideful, but we live it. We act that way, right? How we treat one another. And humility is the opposite of that. It's not humility. It's not necessarily thinking less of yourself, but thinking about yourself less, right? It's not like, I am horrible, I'm an idiot, I'm a moron. That's not humility. That's just, you know, negative talk. But it's not thinking about yourself all the time. It's about putting the needs of others. It's the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. It's this idea of I want to I bless you. I want to serve you. I want to walk along you. It's, and so he's talking about this dynamic of pride and humility in the context of this whole passage. Now, when it comes to relationships, we understand that this is major issues we need to address. It comes up in every, in every home, in every relationship, and, and, and whether it's a work environment or a family friendship, there's pride and humility are always sort of seeping, and they're always working at odds with each other. But this is not necessarily what James is talking about in the context of relationships. He touches it, but he actually talks about, he addresses the issue of, in these themes in relationship with God. Pride and humility in relationship with God as the root issue. Like how you view God and your relationship with God is the root issue and how that bleeds into and affects every other relationship in your life. And so James kind of starts off, James 1, 1, we, for those who are with us, we understand it says, James, a servant of God, right, and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. We understand that he's speaking to a people who are scattered, who are not together. They're not able to meet like this. They're not able to feel a sense of encouragement. They're not able to have this sort of communal kind of correction, you know, because they're drifted. And how many people know Sundays are great, but Sundays are like going to the gas station. You heard this analogy before? When you go to the gas station, my job isn't to hang out at the gas station. My job is to be filled up so that I can go and enjoy the road. But how many people know, as soon as you leave that gas station, guess what happens to your tank of gas? It begins to empty out, doesn't it? And so we need to come back on the next, we need to come back shorter, and we need to fill up again, because guess what? We're going to go out, and it's going to empty out again. And I've realized that our spiritual journey, our relationship with Jesus very much operates like that. We can come into church, and we can gather in community. We can have corporate and community correction and encouragement, and it's amazing. We leave filled, but Monday shows up. And the gas begins to drain. There's a hole in my bucket, right? And all the fervor, spiritual fervor and hunger and hope I was holding on to begins to drift and, and walk away. And if I'm not careful, it'll, it'll leave me empty. And I'll be stuck on the stride of the road. So we need to come back to church. Like we, we cannot give up meeting one 
together. We need to fill each other up. We need to encourage one another. Don't give up. So these people, they're scattered. They're, they're, they're separated. They're not gathering the same way they used to. And so what the goal of James, really this whole book, his goal is to close the distance. I just need to bring you somewhat closer together somehow, whether maybe not physically, but emotionally, theologically. I need to bring you closer together, connect you to understand what, what is really important. Why? Because distance actually makes us miss. And this is sort of like, I want to play on this word a little bit today. Distance makes us miss. It makes us miss. And I don't, I don't know what happens, but here, I'm going to tell you what happens to me. Often what happens in my life when I'm feeling like something is missing, right? When I feel like I'm missing out or if I'm even being misrepresented, the, my emotional filter becomes a little more sensitive. The, my, my emotions become a little more sen- sensitive. And the filter in which I process my reactions and my responses begins to spread open. You know that the net is really tight and then all of a sudden it begins to spread open. And what I used to be able to stop through the filter, gets through the filter. Anyone know what I'm talking about? You know, it gets through the, that filter, and then, and, and then nothing is held back in my explosive exchange. And I wonder if anyone else feels that way. I wonder if you've ever been in that moment where you just realize sometimes when I feel like I'm missing something or missing out or being misrepresented, the emotional filter of my life opens up, and what, what would come out just as a common conversation begins to feel like a, daily, a damaging discourse. You know, what should be just an easy conversation, a common conversation of, of correction and encouragement becomes a damaging discourse and maybe we want to put up our phys- physical, you know, fists or we will, spiritually we want to start fighting or emotionally we want to start fighting because our sensitivity, we're missing the mark, we're missing out. And hear what James says in James 4, 1, he jumps right to the point, he says, what is causing quarrels and fights among you? What, what causes fights and quarrels among you. Translation, he's saying, the filter that protected your common unity around Christ is losing its effectiveness. Like, it's losing its effectiveness. Things are getting through. And we need to address this issue, and I love how James addresses the issue, head on. Like, we're not skirting around the issue. We're not going to tip toe around it. We're going to deal with it head on. It's often been said that absence or distance makes the heart Grow fonder. Such a beautiful sentiment. You know, it's what you say when you're in a relationship and you have to spend some time apart. You're like, well, distance will just make our heart grow fonder. It's so, so, such a romantic gesture. It's the theme of a lot of romantic movies as they're separated and their, their hearts yearn for one another. It's beautiful. But if you're in a long distance relationship too long, guess what happens? Distance actually makes the heart grow harder. And many of us have experienced that. It's not that you don't love that person anymore. It's not that you don't like those persons, but you just don't think about them anymore the same way. They're not, in, they're not exposed to your life. They're not in your life every day, and you've got to work hard to beat that and, comp- and, and confront that every day because you're pulled in two different directions, and this is what's happening, I believe, to the people of Israel. They are separated. The distance of their, uh, is making their heart grow hard, and James is addressing this issue head on. Many of us felt this. We, we learned that the more you miss church, the more you miss gathering with fellow believers, the less you miss church. Anybody know what that feels like? We went through a season not too long ago where we missed church, and at the first, we, we hated it. We wanted to be together. 
We wanted to connect online and Zoom as much as we could. We'd sneak out and sneak into our friends' garages and we'd have you know, patio lunches and we'd try to do everything because we missed one another. But guess what happened after a couple months? We didn't miss it as much. We started convincing ourselves we're better off alone. This alone thing is actually pretty good. I can do what I want when I want. I don't even have to dress up to go anywhere. I don't even have to brush my teeth if I don't want to. Some of you did that. Some of you thought that way. I put on jogging pants, never took them off for like two years, I felt like, you know. When I put jeans back on, it was a bad day. I blamed the jeans. They shrunk, you know. But the more we miss church, the less we miss church. The more we miss gathering together, the less we miss gathering together. And here's what James is then leaning into. The less we miss gathering together, the less our heart becomes harder. The more our heart becomes harder and we pull ourselves back. Here's what he's saying. The more you miss the mark. The more you miss the mark. The less you need one another, the more you begin to convince yourself that you're okay and you begin to slip. You begin to drift. Your gas tank, your spiritual gas tank is beginning to go on empty and the more you actually miss the mark. And then the actions of your lives and the confessions of your faith don't line up anymore. And James is addressing this issue in three things he addresses that I want to talk about today as we look at our scripture. The less you miss church, the more you misappreciate what God has given you. Like you just misappreciate what God has given you. Look in, Matt, in James 1, 4, it says, 1 to 3. It says, what's causing quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires that war within you? I love that. Remember we talked about trials and temptations, right? Trials are things that happen outside of us, where temptations are things that happen within us, right? There's struggles that happen within us. He's speaking to the war, the struggle within us, the sinful nature that we all of us have to battle on a regular basis. You want what you don't have, and so you scheme and you kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, and so you fight and you wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have it because uh, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God. What's he saying? He says you, you have forgotten about God. Your relationship is broken. You, you try to find fulfillment in your own strength. And some of us, we know what that feels like. We've been through seasons. Maybe we are in that season where God is great, but I don't really need him. I can just do, I'm doing just fine on my own. He says, you, even when you ask, you don't ask, you, uh, when you don't get it, because you ask with the wrong motives. You want only what gives you pleasure. Like you're asking things in the wrong way. You're asking things for yourself and not for the good of others. And he's saying, listen, you have drifted. You are misappreciating what God has already done for you, what he's already given you. And so as much as he can, I, as I was looking about this, I was kind of about this idea of fighting. He says, you're fighting a quarrel. And let's say, I think there's a couple, there's three things that I think he's saying that we need to be fight for. Instead of fighting each other, that's three things that we can actually be fighting for. The first one he says is you need to fight to stay thankful. You need to fight to stay thankful by focusing on what God has already given you, what you already have. Listen, if you want to fight, then fight in gratitude. Fight in gratitude. Fight the jealousy that lurks in the corners of your heart. Every one of us knows exactly what this looks like. Whether that's physical things, whether that's relational things, whether that is spiritual things, we look at what we do not have. We yearn for what some, we see in someone else and we crave it, we covet it, we want it, and we work tirelessly to achieve it, sometimes without paying the dues that they had to pay to get there. We just want it. 
And we yearn for it. We covet it. We, but, God, but James is saying, you've got to fight to be thankful for what you have. I love how 1 Thessalonians, Paul tells the church, he says, be joyful always. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Say this with me. Be thankful in all circumstances. Like, be thankful in all. Not good. Not easy. Not blessed. In all. The good, bad, the ugly. In all things, be thankful. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. You want to know what God's will for your life is? Pray always. Give thanks in all circumstances. Be joyful always. Like, that's how, just be joyful. Be prayerful. Be thankful. How many people know that does not come naturally? These are not natural dispositions to the human condition. These are things you got to wake up every day and you got to clothe yourself in these things. you got to put, you got to remind yourself of the goodness of God. You got to look at what God has given you. Instead of looking at your lack, you got to look at the blessing that God has deposited on you. Here's a sober reality somebody is praying for what you have. Somebody is praying right now for what you have that you often look over and diminish. Someone's praying for it. We've got to be thankful for what God has given us. We've got to look at life with a glass half full approach. We've got to see life with all that God has given us. And so how do we approach that with prayer? Well, he says you need to pray then with the right motives. You need to pray with the right motives. There is a, it's not that you, it's wrong to ask God for things, but James is saying, listen, there is a right and a wrong way to pray. There is a right, yes, prayer is a conversation with God. You can come boldly into the presence of God. You can commune with God. You can converse with God. God can speak to you. But there is a right and a wrong way to pray. Jesus even says, I will do whatever you ask in my name. Why? So that my Father may be glorified. And so we, our prayers have to align with glorifying God. So here's an honest question. Do my prayers or the things I pray for, the things I'm asking for, are they glorifying God or are they gratifying my pleasure? Am I praying for things that bring glory to God or am I praying for things that gratify my pleasure? And if you're praying for the latter and you realize God's not answering my prayers because you're not praying for things that glorify God, that align with the heart of God. That's not saying that God doesn't want to give you good things. But what's the motive of your heart? We, we exist to glorify God. We exist to worship him. May the words of our mouth and the, the actions of our lives bring glory to God. So this first topic James is saying, he says the less we miss gathering with people, the more we misappreciate what God has done for us. So we got to lean in. we got to pray with the right motive. Second thing he says, the, more, the less we miss church, the more we misdiagnose the influence that others have in our life. Like the more we... The, the less we miss gathering, the more we misdiagnose the influence that other people have in our life. You see it right in, in picking up in verse 4. You adulterous people, what a way to start a sentence. It's so hurtful. Like, he's just speaking, I love it, he's just speaking so plainly. He's like, you say God has got your heart, you say that he's the Lord of your life, but you're flirting with other things. You're being unfaithful to him. Can you imagine don't you know that friendship with the world means amenity, which is like an, an active opposition, hostility, or even alienation against God? Did you know that when you, when you have a friendship with the world? I love how the message version says, the message just simply says, you're cheating on God. Like you are cheating on God. 
Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend, I love this word friend, this friend in, in, in the original text is phileo, is, is, from, is phileia, which is the work, work, Greek word phileo, which we get love, it's brotherly love. So we're not just talking about a friendship, we're talking about a, a brotherly love, we're talking about an intimate relationship, right? We're not just talking about casual acquaintances here. Don't you know that friendship with the world is an enemy, it means you developed hatred towards God. Or don't you, or do you think that Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the Spirit that he has called to dwell within us? The New Living Translation says that he jealously longs for the Spirit that he's placed in us, in us should be faithful to him. Like that Spirit that I deposit on you, I just want that to be faithful to me. Like be faithful to me. If you said I'm your God and I'm your Lord, then, be, then let me be your God and be your Lord. Let me be the first of your life, the first of your heart, the first of your love. And I love how it ends, but God gives us more grace because he knows we're all going to struggle with this. Right? We know we all struggle with this. Like None of us are perfect. None of us are going to nail this thing down. Every one of us are working through our salvation with fear and trembling, and I love that God gives us more grace. Thank you, Jesus, for more grace. That's why Scripture says God opposes the proud, but he shows favor, gives grace to the humble. So the second thing we need to be fighting for, we need to fight to stay faithful. We need to fight to stay faithful by prioritizing by prioritizing our time, our relationship with God. If you're going to fight for something, if you're going to fight, if you want to fight, if you want to drop the gloves and you want to scrap, then let's fight the pull to retreat God as a genie who exists to simply fulfill my wishes. Let's, come on, can we, can we, let's be a little candid. Can we be real? We're good, right? We know each other enough. Like, I've been there. My prayer life has simply been, Lord, here's what I need. Here's my checklist. Here's my to-do list. Here's the things I need you to do for me today. And I sit back and I, that's not the relationship that God wants to have with us. Doesn't mean we can't bring our needs and our requests to the Father. He's a good dad. My kids come up and say, Dad, I need help with this or I need this or I like this. I'm here. I want to hear that. But if that's all that came to me, if every conversation was, here's what I need from you, Dad. Like how, how encouraged would I be when, it comes in my, when my kids come up to my presence? Be like, here we go again. Like I just, I just love being in the room with my kids. My boys and I, we drive a lot for baseball. Sometimes we just sit, we're just, we're just sitting and listening, just in the, in the car together, just being together. I love that, just being together. God wants to just be with you. He wants you to just be with him. You don't treat him. You gotta fight the urge to treat him as a genie. Fight the urge to treat him as, as someone who can just fulfill your every wish. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, he says, seek first the kingdom of of heaven and his righteousness. And then everything else will be added to you. Do you know that the everything else probably is not what you think it's going to be? The everything else is not the list, okay, if I just do this and all this other stuff that I really want, then I'll get that. No, the everything else will change because when you seek the kingdom of heaven, you're going to modify the list. Because you're now realizing, I don't, actually don't need that stuff. That's one thing COVID did for us, right? Lockdown for us. What it does, it made us reevaluate what was really important. Like we, we looked at the things that we had to do, right? And we realized, actually, we don't need to do that stuff anymore. It's really not that important. It's kind of a, it was kind of a nice experiment. Lasted a little bit longer than any of us wanted, but it was a nice experiment. But we need to be doing that, right? We need to be, once we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, we, that is going to force us to modify the list. We are not going to want everything else, but he's going to lavish everything else that we need that are going to glor- that's going to glorify him. This doesn't mean that you cannot 
have. He's even talking about friendships. And it doesn't mean you can't have friends with the world. It doesn't mean you can't have friends that aren't following Jesus. Jesus was known as a friend of sinners. You know, Jesus was known as a friend of sinners. We see story after story. In fact, we're going to do a series next week, next month, about this idea that those who are on the outside that Jesus brought to the inside. Every one of us feels like outsiders from time to time, and Jesus brings the outsiders onto the inside. Jesus was known as a friend of sinners, of, of prostitutes, tax collectors, and, and, and sinners, and, and those far from God. But here was the thing we learned about those moments, is that when they left each other's company, the people that left changed were the people who ate with Jesus. Jesus never left changed. It was the sinners who left changed. So you can be friends with sinners, but you got to monitor the influence that they have in your life. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Who are you elevating in your life above God? God is jealous for your time and your attention. The more you, the less you miss time with God, the more you misdiagnose the influence that others have in your life. I've heard this thing about deception. Is that when you're deceived, when you're de deception is deceiving, is that sometimes you don't fully understand the influence that other people give in your life because you convince them that it's all that good. It's not that bad. It's okay. They're not that bad of a people. But you don't realize how you're creeping away from God. So we need to thank him. I'm so grateful that God gives us more grace. Every one of us in this room can just say amen to that. That God gives us more grace as we walk with him, as we journey with him, as we understand our, what our relationship with him looks like. He gives us grace that his mercies are new every morning. So what does is, what is then James tells us? He said that we need to fight for this. Then here's how we pray then. We pray with a posture of humility. He keeps on going in verse 7. He says, then submit yourselves then to God. That's humble, right? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Meaning, shake it all off and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve and mourn and wail. Change your laughter to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord so that he will lift you up. We are all going to be humbled one day. We're either going to be humble ourselves or we're going to be humiliated. But one day the Bible tells us that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. I hope, my prayer is that all of us will humble ourselves versus being humiliated. That every knee will bow and we need to pray with humility. Prayer is not asking God to fulfill your, de your desires or your requests. Prayer is simply about realigning our hearts with God's heart and recognizing that he is the only one who can fill us. He is the only one who can take care of all of our needs according to his riches and glory. He is the only one who gives us a hope and a future. We pray with a sense of humility as we come into the presence of God, recognizing that he is God and I am not. He is not just a genie in a bottle. He's not just another wish list. He is, he is God. He's the maker of creator of heaven and earth. And we come into the, in relationship with him with humility. So the less we miss gathering with God's people, the more we misdiagnose the influence that others have on our life. And the third thing that James speaks to is that the less we miss church, the more we misbehave in how we treat one another. The more we misbehave, 11, verse 11 says, Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who judges and speaks against a brother or sister or judges them against the law and, and judges it, when you judge the law, you are, you, you are not keeping it, but you are sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy, but you, who are you to judge your neighbor? The third thing we need to be fighting for, we need to fight to stay united. Fight to stay united. 
with your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you want to fight, fight the tension to point fingers. Fight the tension to elevate yourself above others. You know that the world, the enemy of this world is, is working double time to divide the church, to divide homes, to divide families, to divide friendships. He's working double time to divide us. The Lord came, God sent the Son, God came into the world through the Son, and he came in the form to unite us together, to bring us close back into relationship with the Father. If if that's God's greatest aim, is to unite his people back to himself, then you know that the enemy's greatest aim is to divide his people from himself. Like, that is the main game. None of us should be surprised by this. That when division begins to creep up in our conversations and our attitudes and our postures towards one another, that is not the work of God, no matter who says it. Division is the work of the enemy. We need to fight for unity as we lean into grace and truth. This is the common denominator that pulls us all together. Paul tells us, and Peter tells us rather, in Peter, 1 Peter 3, 8, he says, finally, all of you should be what? Of one mind. Sympathize with one another. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted. Do you know you cannot be tender-hearted and prideful at the same time? <laughs> possible be tender-hearted keep humble and keep a humble attitude we need to stop comparing ourselves to others we need to sticking to love and leaving the judging to God therefore quickly here's what we do here's what we respond we pray for the grace and this is the hard one to forgive quickly like we don't let any hurt create division in our church we don't let any hurt create division in our home. We don't let any hurt create division in our small groups or our teams. We don't let hurt cause division. What we do is we we forgive quickly. That's how we fight for unity. We forgive quickly. We trust in the forgiving power of God. We understand that God has forgiven us quickly, therefore we forgive quickly in return. I don't have time to diagnose everybody else's sin when I have enough of my own to deal with. (laughs) You know, I have time to work through yours. I got my own stuff I'm trying to get right with God. I don't have time for yours. That's why Jesus tells us in Matthew 7, 3, don't worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own. Like, just worry about the things you're worrying about. Things, worry about the things that I'm, call, I'm pointing on your life. Fix those things. Submit those things. Bring them to alignment. Those things. And let me worry about that. You just keep your heart in the right place. Humility recognizes how much we have been forgiven and also how much we need to grow. Like a humble heart recognizes that as we submit ourselves to God. The less we miss gathering with God's people, James is telling us the more we misbehave in how we treat one another. So just a quick recap, James tells us in 4.1, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't you know that they are the evil desires that wage war within you? I think one of the greatest tactics the enemy has in our life is to dismiss the notion that we're at war. Like he, want, he, he just wants us to think that's just nonsense. Like that's just dramatic talk. You're at war? Pfft, don't be so dramatic. He wants to minimize it because if you can minimize it, he can let your guard down. And when he lets your guard down, then he wins. He can attack you. You're an easy prey. I'm not one to say that there's a spiritual that, there, that everything that happens to me is a spiritual thing, but I am just, I'm here to tell you that there is a spiritual battle that is happening around us that we cannot see, but there's also what James is speaking to, is that there's a spiritual battle that's happening within us. 
between our sinful nature and our spirit nature. And James is saying there's a temptation, a struggle within you, and you need to figure out how to submit that to God. you got to fight against that. Don't drop your guard. Don't drop your defenses. Don't fight the wrong thing. Fight the sinful nature within you. And I'm not responsible for your sin. I'm responsible for mine. i got to fight my sinful nature. Submit my sinful nature to Christ. We cannot become pacifists in this area of our life. I know as Canadians, we're sort of pacifists by nature. Ah, let be and let live. No, 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 we have to become activists in this when it comes to our own hearts and our own lives. We have to actively fight the sinful nature that's gonna rise up and cause division, pull us away from gathering with God's people, from building a relationship with God, to allowing other influences in our life. We need to push in and fight for those things. We need to fight for the right things. If we lose, we, lo- we, we hurt others in the process. So if you're gonna fight, Let's fight to stay thankful. Let's fight to stay thankful by focusing on what God has already done for you. What he's already done for you. Let's, let's pray with the right motives in our conversations with God. Let's fight to stay faithful by, 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 by prioritizing our relationship with God. Let's pray with a posture of humility as we present our requests to God, as we get to know the heart of God, as we allow him to speak to us. And let's fight to stay united with our brothers and sisters in Christ as we pray for the grace to forgive quickly. Here's the final thought. If we were to summarize this chapter in a single sentence here, I believe what James is telling us. He says, quit fighting with one another and find your fulfillment in God. Quit fighting one another. Quit looking in other places. Your fulfillment comes from one place. It comes from God. Put him first. Lean into him and allow him to reveal himself to you. Let's pray. I invite everyone to close their eyes in this place. I've done all that I can do to communicate what I feel God has said to me, and I just want now to create a little bit of space before we run away. I know many of us have plans this afternoon, but before we, before we leave, I just, can we just push pause for a second? Allow yourself just to rest in the moment. And the quietness of this space, I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Can we just humble ourselves before the presence of God? Understanding that there's not one of us in this room, myself included, who got all this figured out. We're still working it out. And while there's some areas that we feel we're taking ground on, there's other areas that we feel we're losing ground. And so in this place, we're allowing the Spirit of God to speak to us, to point His finger in our life, and to remind us that He is faithful, that His grace is sufficient, His mercies are new, when we draw near to God, we push through the barriers that hold us back and the distractions, that God will draw near to us. We'll just abide in his presence and we can know God and know his heart. We can seek his kingdom and his righteousness. And in doing so, we can be changed. That's why scripture says God opposes the proud but it shows favor to the humble. You cannot come into the presence of God with a proud or haughty spirit, but only through humility. So Father, we just recognize how much we need you today. It's been our theme 
and worship. It's been our theme in this message. God, we cannot do any of this without you. God, we need you to remind us again how much you yearn for us. Every one of us were worth fighting for. You sent Jesus into this world to fight, to literally fight the powers of darkness on our behalf. And he won. So today we don't have to fight the powers of darkness. We just need to trust in your power that has made complete in our weakness. We lean into you. We don't allow the enemy to distract us or to derail us or to divide us. But God, we lean into you. We receive your forgiveness and we choose to forgive freely and quickly. We want you to be the main influence of our life. We want your word to be the main influence of our life as we live, as we breathe, as we go about our day. God, we want to walk with you and talk with you and know you. So God, we fight to be thankful. We fight to be faithful. We fight to be united. Because that's what you fight for for us. So help us, we pray, God. If you're in this room, I'm just gonna, again, this is an act of faith. This is an act of obedience. I wanna just pray with you. Maybe in this room, maybe you just need an extra dose of God's grace today. Maybe you need something that Maybe as you think about your faithfulness or you think about your thanksgiving or even think about unity, you realize that there's areas in your life that you need to address even today. And you need God's courage and God's strength to fight for the right things. Maybe you've been fighting the wrong things and you realize that now. You're being aware. The Holy Spirit is revealing that to you. If that's you across this place, no eye is looking around, no head is low. But I want you to acknowledge it before God. I want to pray with you. I don't know who I'm praying for today. Can you just slip up your hand if you need me to pray for you this morning in one of those areas? Go ahead. See those hands. Come on. It's an act of faith. It's between you and God. This is, just, this is just acknowledging it. There's something about just acknowledging it before the Father. Across this room. Go ahead. Come on. That's you. Father, you see every hand that's lifted here today. Lord, you know the request of their heart. Lord, you know what they're rustling through. You know the areas that they fall short. And I thank you, Father, that your power is made perfect in our weakness. You tell us to boast about our weakness so that we can receive your grace anew and afresh. So God, I pray that my brothers and sisters here this morning would receive a fresh dwelling of your grace today, a fresh impartation of your mercy that would allow them to walk with you daily with a sense of confidence and a sense of hope, not in their ability or their strength, but in your power that has been complete in them today. And so Lord, I pray for each one of them. May they develop an attitude of gratitude. May they continue to fight to be faithful in their relationship with you. And may they continue to work in relationship and unity with those around them. God, we pray that your kingdom would become and your will be done in our hearts, in our homes, and our community. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to invite you to stand to your feet this morning. So grateful that you are here. We definitely want to miss again, wish all the dads a happy Father's Day. And before you leave, make sure you grab a treat on the way out. Have a break on us. You deserve it. And uh, enjoy that. I pray you feel loved and appreciated today. And uh, if you're here and you need ministry, maybe you need someone to pray with you. We've been praying with you, you know, in the spirit, but maybe you need someone just to stand with you and pray with you a specific need. We have a ministry team at the front who would love to pray with you following the service and just agree with you in prayer. And uh, they're not counselors, but they'd love, they love Jesus and they want to pray with you. 
So they're available to you. Also, if you're here, maybe you're here for the first time, or maybe you have a prayer request, or you have a step you'd like us to take to take, and we want to help you out. There's a connection card found in the scene for you. Take a moment and complete that card. Bring it to Wendy. She's at the back corner of the Welcome Center. We'd love to connect with you this week, follow up with you, and help you in your journey with Jesus. It would be our joy. But let me bless you now before you leave. And so may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit at work inside each and every one of you. I bless you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You are dismissed. Have a fantastic Sunday. God bless.